0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Hello, and welcome to our national conversation about conversations about race, the weekly podcast where we discuss the ways we, one, can't talk, two, don't talk, three, would rather not talk, but four intermittently fitfully embarrassingly do talk about our culture identity politics power and privilege in our pre post yet still very racial america i mean you could say all that or like everyone else just call the show about race i'm anna holmes and joining me from the panoply studios in new york are Wen to from the new voter initiative campaign i am asian american hi Wen. hi thanks for having me uh-huh and from Mashup Americans, Amy Choi. Oh, hey, girl. Welcome <laughs> welcome to the show, ladies. So this election season and the months preceding it has focused a fair bit on issues of identity and belonging. The GOP nominee and general shit show, Donald Trump, has made issues around immigration or, shall we say, explosions of racist rhetoric and xenophobia a central part of his campaign at the same time that Black Lives Matter and other progressive activist groups are changing the way many people think about race. But as always, there are numerous citizens, part of specific and often ignored cultural and ethnic groups, who have been left out of our national conversations about race as they pertain not just to politics, but to culture. That's why we decided to devote this week's show to the concerns and political and cultural contexts around Asian Americans. We'll talk about everything from why, when, and how... Asian-American votes are taken for granted to representations of Asian-Americans in popular culture and whether anything, anything at all, is changing and changing for the better. So I want to start with electoral politics. When? Can you tell us a little bit, tell our audience a little bit about the Asian-American electorate? What are the numbers? Mm -hmm. What trends, if any, does the electorate follow in terms of its political leanings? And what does the rapid growth of the Asian-American population imply for voter participation down the road?
2: So I can tell you about what it was and how it's changing Mm -hmm. right about now. What it was is that there's 85 congressional districts in the U.S. with an Asian-American population of more than 10%. So that means in 85 congressional districts, if you talk to Asian-Americans in the way that is meaningful to them, they can swing the vote. So right now, let's say if the Democrats wanted to, let's say, take over congress they need 85 more congressional districts hmm. so you can do the math there next is thinking about what's happening now and what's happening now is very interesting because my initiative i am asian americans really focus on asian american millennials mm-hmm. and every single year starting now there will be one million new asian american millennials wow there's, there's going to be every single year. There will be six hundred thousand um, Asian Americans turning eighteen. Mm-hmm. Yay! Mm-hmm. And about four hundred thousand um, um, millennials between the ages of 18 and 35 immigrating to the US. Wow, okay. So that's 1 million every single F and year. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of do the math there yeah and say, hey, this is a population that has not really been talked about, focused on or anything like that. but overall they have one trillion dollars in buying power. Um, Asian Americans overall, Millennials have 300 billion. so mm-hmm. you're like, hey, Three times as much Mm -hmm. as this like very, very marketer friendly um, demographic. So I think people are sort of getting a sense that, hey, you know, there needs to be a much more thoughtful way of how um, this population is represented to, Mm -hmm. uh, represented, communicated to, um, and really talked about in sort of the general mainstream media. And um, people are really messing it up. When especially you, this week. <laughs> when
1: you say that people are recognizing that, that the messaging and needs to be different and the concerns need to be taken seriously, who are those people? Are you talking about politicians are recognizing that?
2: Well, I think first is always the marketers. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. the $1 trillion buying card. Right. I think Nielsen like released a study and then all of a sudden, I don't know if you noticed, but Gap has Asian Americans, you know, models mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Macy's mm-hmm. has a whole bunch. McDonald's is having it. And all of a sudden, you know, when you want the image of like the mom taking care of the baby it's an asian mom Mm -hmm. and maybe it's like the tiger mom and everyone wants that you know that you know hard disciplined mom that makes their kids you know get straight a's and that's something that people want but i think overall marketers are really looking at the numbers and realizing that they really need to change how they communicate and then even trump i think last week said he's creating an asian american committee I don't know what that means. Um, Yeah, what does that mean? um, But um, Hillary Clinton also has, you know, an AAPI is what, you know, they call Asian American Pacific Islander Committee. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden in politics, there are these committees. And in the districts where the population is really high, there are now in-language political commercials. Mm -hmm. For instance, a friend of mine is the New Mexico controller, and he had billboards all over. Santa Fe? Billboards of Vietnamese language political ads all over the place. Wow. So, it's changing and I think people are, are are beginning to wake up to it, hopefully.
1: Why is your initiative I am Asian American focusing mostly on millennials? Is that just because that is the, that's the the demographic that that's exploding? Did mm-hmm. did you did you want to focus it just to keep it focused on something as opposed to being an effort to make outreach to all Asian Americans yeah. are the millennials? least likely to vote or most likely to vote.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, Asian Americans, millennials, if you are listening, you are the demographic that has the lowest participation rate of any single ethnic demographic out there. Okay. So right now, a recent study by AAPI vote, um no, no, AA sorry, I need to say that. A recent study by AAPI Data uh, Mm -hmm. by Professor Karthik uh, Ramakrishnan, he did a study and said, of Asian American millennials, 37% have registered. But if registered does not mean that you vote. And so once you sort of do the numbers, and I think he released this last Wednesday, it said one in 10 Asian American millennials vote. Wow. One in 10. Yeah. That's crazy ridiculous yet um asian american millennials you guys are the youtube stars out there right now Mm -hmm. you are like the food truck like influencer out there like in the millennial peer group asian american millennials are very very vocal very influential yet in civic engagement it's in the dumps and that's why this initiative that I'm doing, it's a movement that um, is culminating um, on on Sunday, October 16th, is four cities, four concerts, same day. And it is just a big sort of star-studded fest. We have over 50 Asian celebrities and artists coming out. So that Asian-American millennials can show up. Are there going to be registering? Yeah. I can't speak. I can't say what
1: I want to say. Are
2: there going to be stations at
1: the events where people can register to vote?
2: Oh, most definitely. definitely. And leading up to all the concerts in four cities, we've been registering voters at food trucks. Um, so in um, taco trucks, yeah,
1: <laughs> taco
2: truck. or Korean taco yeah, trucks, yeah, hell yeah, um, even better. So in New York City, it's Corilla. Mm-hmm. You can register to vote at Carilla. and then we in that cities so smart in cities. I mean, here, here's here's a little factor: Asian Americans spend forty percent more than the average American on going out to eat.
0: Oh, obviously. <laughs> obviously. I mean, have you
2: seen all the Instagrams
0: of all the food? My foods? favorite are the tumblers of Asians taking pictures of Asians taking pictures of food. <laughs> oh my God, it's wow, so good. Wow, I've missed this. I'll send it to you. Okay. Don't worry Maybe about Maybe it. we put can put it in the show notes. Yeah, we can put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So the
2: movement is like, I'm a little bit on the old side of the millennial. Um, no, we're called leading edge. Oh, I am <laughs> a leading edge Asian American millennial. And um, I really said, you know what? I can probably do something here with. Yeah sort of my friends and family that is in the creative space and do something really cool and it's food trucks, it's night markets, and it's mm-hmm. concerts. It's comedians like Jenny Yang. Mm-hmm. It's actors like um, Hudson Yang from Fresh Off the Boat. Another comedian, Profesh Tina, rolling up. We're doing an all Asian American Hamilton performance. It's Poryotics.
1: Wait, really? wait, 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 wait. It's like record scratch. When is uh-uh. that? <laughs>
2: Sunday, October 16th oh. at the Wiltern Theater. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: I'm going to be in Yosemite oh. this Sunday. By the way, yeah, uh, listeners, the the 16th, Anna. The 16th <laughs> is this Sunday. Day. This Sunday. As in like three days from now. Oh, so, and, yeah. and
2: you know what the best part is? It's absolutely effing free. Yeah, So great. get your tickets and show up, register to vote, and tell your friends to register to vote.
0: Do it. Amy. Yes.
1: What sort of issues have cropped up during this campaign cycle that you think have caught the attention of the Asian American electorate?
0: Um. Well, first of all, I'm very... Pumped to be here to be represented, 18 million strong. To say that you know what are issues that are capturing the Asian American electorate is really hard because the Asian American community is incredibly diverse. They speak mm-hmm. dozens of languages. They range from millennials, which are growing rapidly, to our parents, mm-hmm. to our parents' parents, mm-hmm. who all have the right to vote. And I think the the challenge here. So you know the issues that are important to Asian Americans are the issues that are important to everybody. It's immigration. It's healthcare reform. Form, it's reproductive rights. It is the economy, mm-hmm. education. You know, these are issues that are pertinent to every American. And I think the issue that really, I think, is activating the Asian American community right now is maybe not a single tentpole issue. Maybe immigration is one of them. Mm-hmm. But that the desire to be recognized as a human being. Yeah. yeah. And I actually think that it's so basic But the Asian American community, I think, has really rallied together and started to find their voice and saying, We are here. Our voice matters. We now have the voice to do it because 80% of um, Asian American adults in this country are foreign born. And um, I have a number here that uh, only 60% of Asian American adults in the U.S. speak English proficiently Mm -hmm. or speak English very well. So literally our voices haven't been heard before. And I think the nasty, disgusting rhetoric that has been exposed by the Trump campaign during this election cycle has really made it very clear to particularly Asian American millennials that the world doesn't yet see us as human. Yeah. As complete people yep. that are worthy of having a voice and having a vote, mm-hmm. so I think that more than anything is mobilizing people's efforts.
1: You know, I'm re- recalling a tweet the other day by Sujay Kumar. I think I, I think he sent it out the night of the debate, so this past Sunday, and it included a photograph of an Asian American voter who was part of the town hall, who was up on stage with the candidates, um, an Asian American woman who I'm assuming was undecided or else she wouldn't have been up there. Uh, She was never given the chance to ask a question. So he, he tweeted a a screen grab of her um, with the accompanying words that very visible and ignored woman is basically all Asian American voters. And that really stuck with me because I, because it did feel in retrospect, seeing that tweet and seeing the screen grab of her, I was like, yeah, I did see her on stage and she wasn't invited into the conversation in an explicit way. And I guess I'm curious to know more broadly how each one of you feels Asian-American voters are regarded by the two major political parties. Are they taken for granted by both? Is one better than the other? Amy, I'm looking at you.
0: Uh, You're looking at me. I feel it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's hard to be taken for granted when you're not recognized as present. Fair enough. So -hmm. I don't think that either party does better or worse by the Asian American community as a whole, because I don't think that either party has generally really recognized the Asian American community as whether it's a voting block or as a vibrant, viable community Mm -hmm. that holds a lot of sway and holds Mm -hmm. a lot of power. Mm -hmm. Before the show started, we were talking about, you know, like what is the presence of Asian Americans in national politics? Mm -hmm. When gave us a great breakdown of the power that voters have in congressional districts, but Obviously, there's never been a candidate for president from a major party. There's only been six Asian-American senators ever in the history of the Senate. Five of them have been from Hawaii, where there's, like, basically no other option, right? So, it's, you know, the representation <laughs> on the Old national... white retirees. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're too busy hanging out <laughs> too to, busy <laughs> to run for Senate. Yeah. Pew, from which we get all these numbers and all this data and all this breakdown about, like, what do Latinos care about? Or, like, mm-hmm. what, are the, what are the issues here? Or, you know, how many Latinos care about abortion versus how many blacks is this... Asians aren't in that at all. Asian-Americans are not broken down by Pew, the glorious place by which we get yeah. all the numbers, uh-huh. because they say they don't have the resources or the ability to reach out to the Asian-American community because it's too diverse, because there's too many language barriers, because each community is so different. And that's basically the reasoning that they have outlined for not literally counting Asian-Americans separately separately. And all of these things. So when there isn't basic information about what the community wants and needs represents, is it the fault of the political parties that they're not recognizing mm-hmm. Asians mm-hmm. as a powerful block, Or is it just that we have yet as a country to start doing this to be, to be seen as a leading edge millennial? I'll say <laughs> that it's people generally younger than me, but that um, they're saying, no, okay, I'm not going to wait for you to count me or ask me the questions anymore I'm going to say I'm here yeah
2: and that's really powerful yeah what struck me Anna um, when you had asked that question you said they weren't invited most people who sort of were on sort of the fringes were not invited into the fold. You uh-huh. sort of have to speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the millennials in particular, they are so vocal already on social media. Yes, it's about food. Uh, maybe it's about the la- latest like hip hop sensation. It's whatever Ryan Higa has thought about in his mind about <laughs> bullying or anything like that. But, Millennials are so vocal on social media right now, Mm -hmm. especially Asian-Americans, that you don't need an invite. You can just say it. Mm -hmm. And I think
0: that aligns very closely with kind of our immigrant heritage. We weren't, maybe we weren't invited here, but we came. We did it. (laughs) We made it, you know, so like, let's keep going.
1: I want to talk a little bit about or have you guys talk a little bit about this invisibility that, that you referenced, you know, a couple minutes ago, mm-hmm. the, the invisibility of Asian-Americans, where that comes from. I mean, I have my own theories, but I don't want I'd rather hear them out of your mouth.
2: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say invisible. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I would say it. Invisible means, you know, you're neutral. Mm-hmm. And I think um, right now, Asian-Americans, as they are portrayed, are not portrayed neutrally. Um, they are portrayed as I'm per- nodding vigorously. Oh no, like um, perpetual foreigner. Mm-hmm. So I know right. this guy in which he's fifth generation Chinese American. His father's father's father father. I don't know how many fathers there are, but back to built the railroads, mm-hmm. built the railroads. Yeah. But he's still looking at go back to your country. You're like, well. I have to go way, 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 way back into like my heritage of building America's railroads to like figure that out. And I built the railroads that got your family here. Yeah, exactly. So I think invisible is not the right word mm-hmm. in my mind. Mm-hmm. It is because that's too neutral. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of making it sugarcoated. I think it's like perpetual foreigner. Mm-hmm. It's about you're not from this country. Right. The, Fox News, Jesse Waters well, segment. Well, that's what I was going to bring up. Nunchucks yeah. and gong shows. Mm-hmm. And if you are sort of seen, it's like all the stereotypes that you can think of that are so dated. And, you know, it's um, Oscar so white. I like yeah. a massage parlor. Well, wait, wait let's, I mean, let's, let's, let's stop for a second. Let,
1: let's oh. tell the listeners who didn't who aren't aware of what, that, of what this Fox News segment was, what exactly happened. So Jesse Waters, who's a Fox News, quote, correspondent.
0: It's basically every, like, 14-year-old douchebag that ever made, like, ching-chong eyes at you in junior high. Or (laughs) 34-year-old douchebag. Or (laughs) 44-year-old douchebag.
1: But he did a segment on Bill O'Reilly's show, I, my impression is that he's a regular on Bill O'Reilly's show, in which he went to traveled to to Chinatown in New York City. And basically, in my mind, you can, you know, feel free to add, uh, mocked and dehumanized and delegitimized every Asian American he came into contact with and used a lot of ugly stereotypes. And the, the idea behind the segment, from what I recall, mm-hmm. and again, correct me if I'm wrong, is that O'Reilly and Jesse Waters were curious about what what Asian voters were were thinking about the election, and so their their answer, their their attempt to answer this, was to go to quote go to Chinatown, right? Yeah, there was a large outcry about this. I think rightly so. I don't think that Jesse Waters was um, suspended or anything for it, but what a week after that, and a couple of days ago, we saw a high profile New York Times editor, Michael Luo, who was out with his family and friends on the Upper East Side. And was accosted by a white woman who told him and the group to go back to China, quote, go back to your fucking country. Uh, And, you know, he first started tweeting about this and he wrote a he wrote a piece Mm -hmm. for the paper. So you're right. There's not an invisibility. No, it's not. (laughs) It's it's. But but there's a certain inability to be seen. It's
0: what it's. It's not invisible. I th- I no. completely agree with you. But it's in an inability
2: for some people to see us.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This is sort of my take. Jesse Waters, he's obnoxious. He wants to be a uh, political, like, humorous is what he called it. The stuff that he puts out there isn't smart enough to be funny. It's like slapstick just making fun of someone who can't talk back. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. And what I think outraged so many people is the bit is offensive and it's stupid and it's bullshit. But... What got, I think, people really riled up was that it was shown as this is what Asians really think and this is newsworthy. And then Bill O'Reilly saying, oh, these people are so insulated. And you're just like, what the You know, come on now. And I think that's what got people riled up because it was in the guise of they were trying to actually represent a community. Mm -hmm. And yet they were going to Chinatown, which is great because it's all the restaurants. But people who actually live in Chinatown are actually quite poor. Mm -hmm. Um, They're older and then they can't speak English. Mm -hmm. Um, Not they, but I'm I'm, I'm being hasty about it. But the people he put on are people who could not respond. It's as if I went to a nursing home. And then played all of this, like, music and asked, you know, someone in a nursing home questions and then made fun of them. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. basically, like, let's go after people who can't talk and are very elderly. Yeah. And yeah. that's what he did and said that was news.
0: Yeah. Also, by the way, the fucking older people that he went after and made fun of for not talking, like, they probably survived the Cultural Revolution. Like, they made it through mouth. Like, they yeah. like you have no idea what they did.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. how about how about being curious about their stories? Yeah. You know. There was
2: just no respect. Can we curse? Yes, we I can I've been curse. holding that. No, wow. go <laughs> Draw the F, drop
0: all the F-bombs you want. That was so <laughs> nice of you to ask. It.
1: I know, it was it. nice. It <laughs> it I just do to me. it. it just comes out of my mouth.
2: <laughs> I will curse for emphasis. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> has there been rhetoric especially from the republican candidate for um president around china he likes to talk about china all the time right but is is the rhetoric rhetoric around china fueling some of this anti asian american sentiment that that we're seeing like I would not be surprised if, if that would help explain why, for example, Michael Liu and his family and friends were were accosted in the way they were by a woman on the Upper East Side because of the ways in which Trump talks about China and taking all of our jobs and everything is being made there as and and, and really situating the country in a place that, that is not particularly nuanced or, or complex, yeah. but mm-hmm. it, you know, is, is making it the other evil empire. Well.
2: I'm going to do a little bit of a history lesson here. So um, I can't speak about Trump because I'm representing a nonpartisan organization. But let's look at history. Um, America has had a long, long history of being very discriminatory, very racist to Asians. So the Chinese Exclusionary Act, meaning... Everyone can come to the U.S., except for people from China. There's going to—you're you're excluded. Then there was the birthright citizenship. So there was, I think, a third-generation Chinese-American went back to China to, like, try to find a bride or something like that, came back and was denied entry. But he said, I was born here. And they, and they said, you are not a citizen. And so the Supreme Court ruling of if you're born in the United States of America, you are automatically considered a citizen mm-hmm. was because— someone of chinese descent then let's think about the japanese internment camps Mm -hmm. come on folks that was basically hey you look like someone that hmm, i don't know what your history is but you just look a certain way we're going to put you all in camps take away all your property give it up whatever and then when we say oops we didn't mean so figure it out oh you lost your property someone took it over oops that's basically what happened and then the red scare and, you know, it, the history goes on and on and on. And I think what is happening in this election cycle isn't really about just one particular candidate. It's about sort of this long history of painting Asian Americans. In a light that is the perpetual foreigner, that you don't belong here, that you never will belong here. Mm -hmm. And as the nicely dressed woman with the big iPhone 6 at the Upper East Side yelled at the New York Times editor, go back to your fucking country. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's what it's here. And you just need to say it's here. And if people want to really own up to it, they should. Mm -hmm. And then they should really be, you know... Spoken to,
1: <laughs> as you as you talk about the history, you know, I'm, I'm having these flashes in my mind and memories of seeing, you know, American propaganda posters, anti-Japanese American propaganda posters from World War II, and yep. and, and the really ugly caricatures that you saw on those in a way that you didn't see. Uh, with regards to propaganda posters against Germans, mm-hmm. um there there were not these, like highly racialized caricatures or drawings or commentary in the same way that you saw that against against
2: I the mean, the same the way Japanese. that Nazis, you know, <clears throat> had propaganda against Jewish people and yeah. like made images of rats and said those right. are Jews, is the same way the u s. did with Asians, yeah, let's yeah. let's 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 be real here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that what Michael Lua
0: experienced, which is awful, But it's every day. It's every day. It's not fresh. Every Asian-American kid who grew up in the States has had somebody tell them on a very regular basis, go back to your country, where are you really from? I can't believe you you speak such good English. You know, that that idea of the perpetual foreigner, like always the other, Mm -hmm. I think it's not something that's new to this election cycle. It's maybe become... There
1: may be more anxiety around it. Yeah. Right now. And I think I that think it's just more
0: acceptable to uh-huh. just mouth off. Right. Okay. And I do yep. think to my earlier point about how the Asian American community is finding its voice more. Now we have Michael, at the New York Times, calling this woman out yep. in the New York Times. Yep. And that is infinitely more valuable. I mean, I mean he has an immense platform and microphone and he used it. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that I think is really turning the tide in terms of Asian Americans making their presence known and saying this is this is real, this exists, this has been our lives, mm-hmm. and so like see it.
1: What you're saying is that the cultural representation or and opportunities to Asian Americans and, and and the amplifying of their voices, whether it's through social media yeah. when they're younger or, th- or through the achievements that they're do- that they're making professionally, because I'm pretty sure Michael is not a is not a millennial. Could be wrong. <laughs> but I could be wrong. I can be corrected. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about about the ways in which Asian Americans are becoming more visible culturally, whether it's in positions of power like Michael, who's somewhat behind the scenes or much more explicitly because they're in front of the camera right. when you were talking about advertisements, you know, for, I think, The Gap, yeah. uh, for example. So, yeah, I'd love to hear more about what you've been seeing change over the past couple of years culturally.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, there are so many young activists that are doing great, great work, right? There are people like Jen Fong, mm-hmm. who writes a blog-, blog called Reappropriate. There are Taz and Zara, who run Good Muslim, Bad Muslim. There's Phil Yu, Angry Asian Man. Mm-hmm. Andrew Tai, who runs a comedy Podcast and ball, yo, yo, is this racist? They're all these like young Asian Americans that are out there saying, This is who we are, this is what we're doing, calling people out on their racism. And there's people like Michael. And then there's also what I see is really powerful in pop culture and the influences there is like Ali Wong, Hassan Minaj, Constance Wu, Constance Randall Wu, Park, you know, yeah, exactly. John Cho, people, that, Alan Yang, Aziz Ansari, like, there are just people who are stepping out and saying, They are creating their best work Mm -hmm. they are being their whole selves they are showing that their cultural heritage and their background and sometimes their immigrant story is not something to shy away from is not something that's untouchable but is like a wellspring of strength and humor and great stories and that I think is for the mainstream humanizing Mm -hmm. and In some ways, legitimizing the Asian American experience. If we say, you know, all the studies have shown that Will and Grace actually, like, soften the ground for um, gay relationships, gay acceptance in the mainstream culture. Like, that's what the work is of Fresh Off the Boat, Your Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. All of those things that are now permeating pop culture that are becoming
2: part of one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, is incredibly and, important. And I think just Oscar So White and also when Masters of None, Alan Yang was on the stage winning an Emmy and said, you know, there's like 17, 18 million Italian-Americans and there's 17, 18 million Asian-Americans. You guys have Godfathers, The Sopranos, Rocky, and the mm-hmm. list goes on and on and on about, you know, you're proud to be Italian-American. And what does Asians do? They have like stereotypical, like people that you make fun of from the guy from Goonies. Right. Yeah. And so I think Or from or from Sixteen Candles. Or Sixteen Candles, right. yeah. I don't even know his name. God yet. bless Long Duck Dong. Long Duck Dong. Oh gosh. <laughs> so that's that's what's out there and I think what's happening now, now that there is a very vocal group of artists in Hollywood, is that they're saying, you know what? Cast more Asians. And it's not a fucking handout. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. not a handout when you cast more Asians. Yeah. It isn't. It's more... It's a better story. It, um, it provides, like, um, a wider audience for you. Like, I'm, like, a media business person. And I'm, like, it makes, you know... Bottom line sense to cast sure. Asians, right? sure, and to not do that, and then people are like, "Well, China is going to censor it," and I think that is a that's a cop out, and it's not <laughs> it's true. The stupidest right. thing I've
1: ever heard. It's the but. stupidest
2: <laughs> thing. Like Tilda will Sw- you know, is going to be a monk, a Tibetan monk. And oh. you're like, I mean, oh. I love me
0: some ScarJo, but she is not a Japanese woman.
2: No, Wait, who, who <laughs> and the that? whitewashing washing up like scripts, and I think now they're trying to make Mulan white, and you're like, oh, okay come on now come yeah. on guys you know and i think it's it, it. it's from a it's not a fucking handout to you got to be fucking like you know seriously and now it's sort of like okay we need to like be way more vocal so mm-hmm. that things get killed that are not good storylines quality mm-hmm. wise mm-hmm. and then where there is a good storyline not say oh let's just whitewash it right you know there are many asian americans that
0: have been here Four or five generations. Mm-hmm. And then there's a very large population that has been here. One, you know, I'm I I was the first person in my family to be born in the States. My but You're parents, a
2: millennial, which I just want to say, like, millennials are more U.S. born. And I think that is why I think this time period right now is changing and it's pivoting the narrative of how Asian-Americans are are being represented Absolutely. because there are more U.S.-born Asians out there and so it, it's more offensive. Yeah. When you're actually like from China like you just really got here a couple of years and someone says go back to your fucking country you hate it but you're like oh okay but if you're like fifth generation you're not having it. Well, right.
1: the, well the, the assumption is that it, I think among a lot of white people that if they see an Asian American then that person is an immigrant Yeah, yeah. in a way that, that they don't assume with let's say an African American Yeah, um, and, and they may not even assume with, with a Latino Right. American, but the assumption... And
2: they st- won't even think about it for a white person. Right. Well, yeah,
1: they won't even, yeah. Unless they have
2: an accent. Right. But, yeah. but even but then, it's kind of cute that they kinda, have an accent. Oh.
0: <laughs> right. They, but, I, you know, I think, you know, our for the part of the community that is American-born, that's U.S. born, we came from, whether parents or grandparents, that their whole purpose was to get us here, right? Their whole purpose was striving. It was achieving to give us a life here in the States for us to take advantage of these opportunities. And when those insults were hurled at them in the experience of many of friends and family that i grew up with it's like okay the older generation they're just gonna like fucking put their heads down work 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 because you can't argue with work right like you can't argue
2: with we'll, achievement we'll tell in some them way. in 15 years yeah exactly after we're successful yeah. and and you our know, kids are like doctors and lawyers exactly we'll tell them and yeah. so here we are here we you are know, we're, we're the ones that yeah. made
0: it and so we also we get to have the privilege and space to actually enjoy being Asian in America. Yeah. We get to embrace the fact that the food is fucking awesome, right? Like mm-hmm. we get to say Hong Kong filmmaking or Korean horror films are the best. We get to embrace this and be vocal about it mm-hmm. in a way that our parents and grandparents and great couldn't because they were just too busy fucking working.
2: So I, th- I think that's part of this the, whole like... This unapologetically proud.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: it's I, dope. Yeah. I want to go back to the issue of, uh, well, you mentioned the Oscars and you were talking about Oscars so white. Mm-hmm. One thing, and I don't know if this if this was this Oscars, meaning two thousand sixteen or the year prior, but there was a lot of messaging around Oscars so white, and yet Chris Rock, the host, made I would say a Horrifying gross, a, a gross, joke. a gross stroke where he brought out three young Asian American kids on the stage who were standing in as you know, the accountants from Price Waterhouse Coopers. And that was profoundly, I think, disappointing, not just for me, but for a lot of people who are watching. It oh, yeah. it it does it does feel like anti-Asian racism or uh, mockery is is the last or most acceptable sort of racist mockery in the United States, even coming from someone like Chris Rock. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't blame him. Maybe he didn't write that. But, he well, well, he certainly approved it because he performed it.
2: Right. And, he said and, it. It came yeah, out of his mouth. Own yeah. It,
1: it was a, a bit of what was behind the complaints um, that led to cancel Colbert. Now, I have my issues with the young woman who started that hashtag way back when. But I think that the impulse behind it was something that needed to be... The messaging behind it was something that needed to be said. I don't know that the Colbert could have "quote unquote" gotten away with that same sort of mockery of African Americans or Latinos,
0: well, or Jews or, or gays, Jews right. or any
1: mm-hmm. other sort of marginalized mm-hmm. community. Sure,
2: this is where I'm a little bit open. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked in media for a long time, um, so in a past life, I was you know doing business strategy for MTV and. Part of it, and this is where I really side with artists and cr- creatives if it is done well and not so mockingly it's mockingly, right? If you can sort of say things like uh um, that it's like so true and so wrong, but so like if if they know what they're saying is wrong versus right. you know, yeah and i think th- there's something about it in which and i think this is why a particular candidate has been so popular is like stop with this pc bullshit mm-hmm. and in a way i say yeah you know you, we can't we can't just make people not say things that they are feeling because that's sort of censorship but at the same time um i just don't want to be precious about it yeah mm-hmm. i'm not I saying you. yeah but I, th- if it's done well um, like Jesse Waters, that was just low quality, right? That was just bad quality. There may be other instances in which, you know, you go, oh, my God, but they sort of know what they're saying is wrong. And, and there's like a really like smart humor about it. Mm-hmm. So I just yeah. want to throw that out. To me,
1: it isn't that, that you can't do it, but you need to do it better. Right. Um, yes. I, I was having this conversation the other day with a, with a friend who is an actress and a writer and a comedy person we were talking about rape jokes and I said, I'm not one of those people who says that you can't make a rape joke. I, I just think it's very the bar is very high. For, yeah, you have for, to for, do it really well. And, right. I, and and that may not be very often, if at all, right? But I am not I'm not against them on principle.
0: Right. Comedy is often a guise for being an asshole, yeah. you know, and sometimes, yeah. sometimes you're just an asshole. Sometimes it's not funny. Sometimes it's not smart. Sometimes there's no purpose behind it. You mm-hmm. can't be called and a
2: comedian. You're exactly, just an asshole. You're yeah. just yeah. an asshole. Yeah. I
0: do think, you know, the work that we do at the Mashable Americans, ultimately it all boils down to building empathy so that we can see people who are different than us as human beings. Mm-hmm. And the reason that the Chris Rock situation fell flat, the reason that the Jesse mm-hmm. Waters situation, they're obviously on. I mean, they don't even exist in the same plane, Chris Rock and Mm -hmm. Jesse Waters, as far as comedy goes. But obviously, or humanity. Or humanity. (laughs) But, you know, the reason that both of those fell equally flat is Mm -hmm. because there was no sense of the humanity behind the people. The Asians were props.
1: And well, in the case of Chris Rock, those they were also children. Yes, you know that, and their
0: parents were not
1: told about the bit. Oh, okay, so it's, it's
0: almost abusive. Yeah, you know? I thought
1: I felt th- I that that was that was um,
2: that was just wrong, wrong.
1: Yeah. So you know, when we were talking a little bit earlier about increasing cultural influences and representations, and you and you both were talking about performers and writers in the entertainment business, one thing you said, Amy, that struck me. Was oh, I hope it's something good about the immig- <laughs> about the immigrant experience. And what I want to know is, I'm not Asian American, but what I personally think is that I think we'll really have reached a kind of parity and inclusion when Asian American cultural creators. Are are doing a lot of work that isn't about the immigrant experience because I still th- mm-hmm. I still think that that others them a little bit. I'm not saying sh- the creators shouldn't talk about the immigrant experience, their own or their or their families, but but I think once we get to the point where there's a sitcom on television about a young Asian American woman who's at college and her adventures at college with her friends and dating, etc., and she has just no-
2: happens has, to be Asian. right yeah.
1: has nothing to do with her being Asian. Has nothing to do with where her family you know originated from. Is when things are going to feel truly equal, at least to me. But I'd say the same thing about yeah. stories about African-Americans, where the ethnicity or racial background of the person is beside the point. It may help inform some of the storylines, but that's, but it's not centered around that. Mm-hmm.
0: Does that make sense? It does. And I would argue that most the successful and good content that is out and available right now does do that. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that talking about immigration makes the stories any less universal. These Mm -hmm. are stories about family and work and finding your way and relationships and social dynamics and humor and all of those things. The fact that the setting for which it plays out Mm -hmm. happens to be an immigrant family, I don't think makes as much of a difference. I would argue, I think it'd be great if the mainstream American consumer could see that
2: and not feel like that was other right i think it's a numbers thing right yeah. so Every single script you see is about an immigrant experience. Then you're like, come on, give me something else. Yeah. But doesn't mean that you know one of those immigrant stories is excellent. Is, is excellent, like fresh off the boat. Sure. I think that, and I think that's the numbers of which there needs to be more scripts that mm-hmm. talks about different experiences. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because as a consumer, like I don't want to see another like fresh off the boat, like version two, three, and, like you know someone did it, they did it really well. Yeah. yeah. You but don't need
0: a Korean fresh off the boat. Yeah. You or don't need <laughs> a Vietnamese we, fresh we, off yeah, the boat. Yeah, we don't have to
2: like you know, go down the line. Like now, it's you know Mindy Kaling. Like mm-hmm. it's sort of you know there, but not there. But you know, she's you know her show is wonderful, smart, funny, high quality movements. Like. My own about telling folks to just speak up, I think will allow people to have that level of encouragement and comfort of just letting it out Mm -hmm. and really letting their creative juices roll with it and not feeling a need to censor themselves or not feeling a need to define themselves in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And also as as millennials kind of reach out and
0: you mentioned Alan Yang and Master of None, which is incredible because it's an incredible it's just a funny yeah. Hilarious, moving show. It won the Emmy. It won the Emmy, yeah. and B, it just represents what life today is like for an urban millennial. You mm-hmm. know, there's mm-hmm. like a black lesbian woman. Yeah, there's the two Asian guys. Mm-hmm. There are their white friends. There's the you know mixed race relationships, and it isn't preachy. You don't ever feel like anybody's a token. Right. It's just good, and it feels truly representative. Can you imagine
1: a show um, mostly populated by people of color in which the white person is the token? <laughs> if I kind
2: love this that. <laughs> that would be really Wasn't funny. was that in living color? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, you're right. Maybe Jim Carrey. Right. Yeah, you were the you're token. Totally, yeah,
1: Totally. That was my first <laughs> introduction to Jim Carrey. So, so there was some, you know, Jeff, Jeff Chang has a new book out, collection of essays, and I've mentioned it on the show before, and I really love it. Some great stuff in there. It's called We Gonna Be Alright. There's one particular essay called "The In Betweens" on Asian Americanness. Um, Amy's pointing at me. Um, no, I'm, just, I'm getting excited. <laughs> okay, and he's kind of struggling in this essay with what it means to be Asian American, and I don't know that he would have used the word invisible, but I do want to just quote from it. Some have portrayed the Asian American narrative. You have too, as a heroic one. But even as you tell this story, you wonder at the impossibility of Asian Americanness. There has been no middle passage to shape it, no common colonizer's language except English to express it. Sometimes you scroll through your Facebook page and your Black or Chicano friends have posted a video or a quote or a news item of Black or Chicano folks doing something beautiful, ironic or sad, under the line, I love us. And it makes you think of your friend Eric Liu's question, who is us? Amy?
0: I say... (laughs) Um, that's
1: not a question you have to answer. It's more, but you were, you, I was um, excited. Yeah you, yeah, were I was decided, so, yeah.
0: you know, I think it's a hard question to, what, if one were to try and answer the who is us, because there are dozens of languages, there are dozens of countries, there's a continent from which Asian Americans are coming from, but what is our unifying tie? We're here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What I was getting excited about was that I had been rereading a speech that had been made into an essay by Mari Matsuda. And this was said in 1990 it was a speech delivered at the Asian Law Caucus and it basically speaks to this exact issue Mm -hmm. and I would like Mm -hmm. to read a little bit of it go for it part of his speech he says if white as it has been historically is the top of the racial hierarchy in America and black historically is the bottom will yellow assume the place of the racial middle the role of the racial middle is a critical one it can reinforce white supremacy if the middle deludes itself into thinking it can be just like white if it tries hard enough conversely the middle can dismantle White supremacy, if it refuses to be in the middle, if it refuses to buy into racial hierarchy, and if it refuses to abandon communities of black and brown people, choosing instead to forge alliances with them. Now, so that to me is incredibly powerful because I think that's what young Asian American millennials are doing. The open letter of people to <laughs> their Asian parents about Black Lives Matter. Which which one are you talking um, about? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. So it's an open letter yeah, totally from Asian American millennials to their parents explaining <laughs> Black Lives Matter and why it's important. When was this
1: published? Is this the one that I'm thinking of that was in July on yes. the Angry yeah, Asian yeah, Man yeah. blog? So okay. it was
0: published in July. It's now been translated into, um, I think, 25 languages. Mm-hmm. It's in the works to be translated into 20 more. Wow. Not not just Asian languages. These are also the being translated to Yoruba. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Farsi. The, world's, the yeah. world's languages. And I think that that Asian America is finding its voice in solidarity with other communities of color. And I think that that's incredibly powerful. If we talk about how Asian America has traditionally been seen and recognized as silent. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the voice emerge and the the voices that are emerging and forming and shaping, which is what's so exciting, is that we don't know what Asian American is right now. Mm -hmm. It's coming out being shaped by incredible creative forces Mm -hmm. with people for young Asian Americans to look up to that people our age maybe didn't necessarily have role models like that. Yeah. And they're politically active and they're... On the right side yeah. of history on this,
2: yeah, that passage is so powerful because it just made me realize about Asians in the you know the racial hierarchy of either white supremacy or you know black you know, I don't want to say that in the same word, but yeah, it is black and the black lives matter, and so if Asians are sort of in the middle and they're a little bit not really paid attention to if they spoke up or if they did something, if they were silent and they were the model minority, I think that reinforces the white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Mm 100%. But if they show up, go to like Black Lives Matter protests and they do this open letter in which my parents may have been the model minority supporters and they're reinforcing that, you know, white supremacy sort of um, narrative, I am sort of going the other way and I'm making this open letter and explaining why Black Lives Matter is so important as Asians to my parents because they were reinforcing this white supremacy model and I will not do it as an Asian American millennial. And mm. I think that's why so it's so powerful.
1: Preach. Do you feel that the solidarity being shown by Asian Americans towards, let's say, African Americans as as evinced in that in that letter is going both ways? Do you feel that that other people of the people people of color are African-Americans, Latinos, what have you, showing the same sort of solidarity with Asian-Americans? That's the first question. The second question is, do you ever envision a movement agitating on the behalf of civil rights for Asian-Americans that would be at all similar or high profile to Black Lives Matter? And if so, what might that be?
2: Hmm. Well, if it's something about food. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. I, I don't know because I think this sort of excuse that a lot of people have of not really Digging in or representing Asian Americans is that you guys are just so diverse. There's like Indians, there's, you know, Vietnamese, there's Korean, there's Japanese and, you know, there's like Pacific Islanders. You guys don't even speak the same language. And I think by breaking it all up, you make everything less powerful and have less of an ability to build momentum. Mm-hmm. In the same way, I think the civil rights movement is like, well, that's only in the South. You know, why, why are you, you know getting dirt getting involved, getting your hands dirty in that. And I think that tactic of breaking it up um, making people less powerful, I, I think is something that needs to be addressed in the Asian American community. Mm-hmm. And I think with my movement, people are like, well, are like, browns involved like you know filipinos Mm -hmm. and like um you know indians and i was like yeah and i'm like well don't you have to explain that and doesn't it have to be i am like asian american pacific islander blah 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 and i'm just like no i think the way you address it is you just say i am asian american and you have profess china Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know we have shippa um, narayan um, performing in new york city you know with the manhattan skyline like you just Don't even have to address it. You just like put it out there and it's all in English, you know, and I think sometimes the need to translate reinforces this otherness about it. And I think if you just move forward and you say, hey, this is just how I see the narrative going and just going and being true to that without having to address, you know, these like, I think, fringe concerns about being too diverse.
0: Well, yeah, uh, I, 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 I think that. as far as the solidarity question goes, though, that yeah. that's where the model minority myth punishes everybody is that I think yeah. the vast majority of America is like, well, Asians are fine. <laughs> like, they're fine. Yeah. There's Michael Lua. Things are rough for him and that sucks that he was abused by a terrible racist woman on the Upper East Side, but he went to Harvard. Like, he's yeah. at the New York Times. He's got a job and kids. Like, they're fine so we don't need to worry about them. So that, the model minority myth is white supremacy in action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it
2: hurts black people too. It hurts everybody. Yeah, they're yeah. like, yes. why can't you be like the Asians?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now we're going to wrap up by making some recommendations what have you been listening to or watching or reading that our listeners need to know about amy
0: well i'm gonna do a little horn tooting it's okay um i think that everybody should be listening to the mashup americans podcast which for people who are interested in the age are age listeners our most recent podcast is with uh, esther perel mm-hmm. a world-renowned sex and relationship researcher and i talk about my first asian only rule I will only ever be somebody's first Asian. Got to avoid the Asian daters. Um, but also, <laughs> if you're interested, we talked a lot about Master of None and Alan Yang, and we had him on our podcast a couple months ago. Oh, great. It's a great episode. But um, as far as what I'm most excited to watch that is coming up that I haven't yet, but is going to be my, my binge-worthy obsession, is Luke Cage. Oh, Yeah. I've heard good things. I know. That's that's the whole weekend agenda. It, okay, I was gonna
1: say is that happening like literally in, <laughs> yeah. in twenty four hours. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and when? What about you?
2: Okay, so I'm gonna be a little bit pop culture like Guilty indulgence here. So if I were to say, you know, things that you should watch, I'm obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. (laughs) Um, And this is because it just talks about people who have felt like outsiders and are having their moment to shine. Mm -hmm. So go and watch RuPaul's Drag Race. And if you are in New York, in Chicago, in L.A., in D.C., this Sunday, October 16th, we are holding a free Get Out the Vote concert with over 50 celebrities and artists from MTV's America's Best Dance Crew, Poreotics, to the Philharmonic from Pitch Perfect 2. It is a stellar all-star cast, so um, show up. Great. And what's is there a website you can direct people to so they can learn more? Oh, yeah. It's so easy. www.iamasianamerican.com. And our Twitter handle is at So Asian American.
0: So Asian-American.
1: So Asian-American. That's great. Okay, that's all for today. Our producer is AC Valdez. Our research assistant and tech maven is Cody Carvel. Thanks also to Laura Mayer, Andy Bowers, and Alana Milner at Panoply. You can see Panoply's entire roster of captivating, delightful, and listenable podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply. As for us, you've got lots of options as well. You can find links to the things we've discussed today on our website, showaboutrace.com. You can follow along with the conversation or join it yourself on Facebook or Twitter at ShowAboutRace. And you can email us directly at showaboutrace at gmail.com. In the meantime, and on behalf of Wen Tu and Amy Choi, I'm Anna Holmes.